This is the Omnichannel Marketer, the show where we get real about what it takes to build a brand, create a seamless omnichannel experience, and drive customer LTV across D2C, Amazon, and retail. I'm Kate Stevens, the CEO of Bridge. Join me for unfiltered conversations from the trenches of e-commerce. We'll unpack strategy and leave you with tactical advice you can use today to drive your business forward. Let's rock and roll. Hi, everyone. This is Kate Stevens. Welcome back to another episode of the Omni Channel Marketer. Today, I have Jamie Roller, Associate Director of Growth Channels at Dr. Squatch. Hi, Jamie. Excited to have you here. Hi, Kate. It's really good to be on. Thanks for having me. Amazing. So why don't we just start with a little bit more about your personal background and career and how you came to be in your role at Dr. Squatch? So I I started my career as a strategy consultant, and after a couple of years, I a role came up to work at South Africa's biggest online retailer, and it was in books, which is just it's my favorite category. I've been shopping for books on Amazon since I was a little kid, and I just absolutely jumped the role. It was a wonderful opportunity to get into a very complex role and ecosystem of products and services. And since then, I haven't looked back. I've been in e-commerce since then. I've worked in beauty as an, at an Amazon aggregator, and now I'm heading up the marketplaces team at Dr. Squatch. So a lot of experience in online marketplaces and kind of within the e-commerce ecosystem on, on both sides of the table, both as a retailer and as a brand. That's a helpful perspective. For the benefits of our listeners, tell us a little bit more about what is Dr. Squash? What is the you know state of the business right now? So Dr. Squash is a men's natural personal care company. We are best known for our soap, our deodorant, our hair care. We are about 10 years old this year. We, we've just turned 10. Very exciting for us. We, our, our founder, Jack, started the company, you know, to fill a personal need for himself, really to, to treat his own skin conditions and found that there was a really exciting need to fill for, for men that, that are looking for really good quality personal care products that, you know, don't smell like women's soap. So that's kind of how the company started. And we've had a really exciting journey since then. We've, you know, a couple of years ago, we started really leaning into social media and videos and that hugely successful for us. And back in 2021, we put out a and kind of really shot, shot the business to next level of growth. And I think since then, the business has really grown to, you know, new levels of success and two things that have changed. I mean, we're a D2C first company. We've, you know, we've, we've always been D2C first. It's our, it's our core channel. It's a very important channel for us, but retail and, and marketplaces have become kind of core pillars of our, of our business and just a way for us to reach, meet, meet customers where they are and continue to grow and, and exist in an omni-channel way. Is there anything you can share that would help give people a sense of kind of the size and scale of Dr. Squatch at this point? Yeah. So we, we're a nine figure company at, at this point and, you know, we're growing, I would say like retail is, is growing very fast for us. We're, you know, getting into a lot of big retailers and it's a very exciting time. I think for us, it's the last few years have definitely been great in terms of building that momentum and kind of figuring out what like at at scale how do we operate and how do we play in, in the different channels okay why don't we dive a little bit deeper into you know what omni channel means for dr squatch i think you referenced kind of d2c first marketplaces retail so then we you know we could start to transition a little bit deeper into you know marketplaces and you know where you spend a lot of time yeah so i think for us omni channel really means being ubiquitously available for customers where, wherever they wherever they prefer to shop you know for us it's it doesn't necessarily 
really mean taking a blanket approach to our merchandising and, and products and marketing strategy across all channels. It's taking a holistic view of, of all of the channels that we operate in, but specific approach to each channel that works well for the customers that purchase on those channels. So for example, D2C is a really great channel for us to drop new partnership products, to nimbly test new approaches and markets. It, it, it remains a really exciting channel for us because it's our most flexible and channel and the one we have most control over. Retail is one where, you know, we want to have all our core sense available. Some of our most successful partnership products and, and limited edition products will have available there. And we we're, we obviously offer value to customers in retail, you know, in Walmart, of course, that's that's key there. And then marketplaces is kind of, that's where we have the most limited control. And the what, how we think of, how I think of marketplaces is really all about convenience and selection for customers. And we we make sure that we're pricing appropriately so that that is a profitable and sustainable channel for us. Because we know that there's some customers who will pay a premium so that they can get, get their products on Amazon. And we want to make sure that we can continue to grow out that business and, and put focus on it and meet those customers where they are. Yeah. So let's, you know, talk a little bit more about Amazon, you know, how you think about the channel as a business. So Amazon for us has, in I would say in the last couple of years, become an increasingly interesting portion of our business for because we, what we realized is that we are driving a lot of branded search traffic to the platform because we're doing so many paid ads. We, you know, through the paid ads we're running on Facebook and TikTok and YouTube that direct to our D2C store, a lot of those customers end up just coming to Amazon and searching for Dr. Squatch soap. And what's really interesting to see is that searches for Dr. Squatch soap, which is our main branded term, outpace searches for the main category terms like bar soap or men's soap. And what that shows us is that our investment into brand building off platform is really helping drive very strong sales on platform. And I think it's shown us that Amazon can be a really powerful platform for us to capture that attention for of customers who are who who want to come to Amazon and who are interested in that two day prime delivery. And, and, you know, we want to make sure that we're leaning into that. So just, just to clarify, so even though you're driving that, that paid traffic to your D2C, you're still finding that's creating the awareness of a high intention purchaser who's actually coming to Amazon to purchase, searching Dr. Squatch as opposed to just the category. So, you know, meaning that what you're doing on social is is driving traffic to Amazon. Exactly. And we've we've recently done some tests where we've turned off spend on some channels where where we're directing to D2C and then switch it back on. And we've seen when we switch spend back on, and not even at a necessarily at a very high level of spend, but for example, on YouTube, when we're spending on YouTube, we see a huge influx of traffic to Amazon. And and what we think is going on there is that YouTube is a very desktop, is mostly a desktop-based platform. A lot of customer, a lot of users are seeing the ads, and we try to look at it holistically and and realize that that customers are that 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 our ad spend across our e-commerce channels is driving customer acquisition across both D2C and Amazon, and that's why we one of the important things that we look at is is blended CAC as opposed to just our D to C CAC or Amazon CAC in isolation. And that makes complete sense, you know, especially given kind of the omni-channel nature of your business. Does that 
you know, because I have to imagine that awareness also carries into your retail channels. Are you as a business looking at a blended CAC across D2C, Amazon and retail? I imagine that gets incrementally more difficult to do. It does. It certainly does. We've not yet cracked how to measure CAC in, in retail because we just don't know how many customers we're acquiring there. But it be I think, you know, ultimately what we'd like to do is is we are working on modeling out what that looks like so that we can come to a, an estimate of of how many like how our ad spend across all channels um drives new customer acquisition across across uh, with an omnichannel view. Yeah. Well, if you figure that out, I'm sure there's a lot of brands that would love yeah. to love to pick your brain on it. I, I think that that becomes a challenge, but I, at least you're looking at the, you know, CAC per, you know, blended CAC and, you know, per marketplace, which, you know, leads me to how do you think about, you know, other marketplaces or, you know, just expansion for the business in general? What where is Dr. Squatch both, you know, regionally um, and, you know, related to marketplaces? And, you know, how do you think about that expansion? It's a great question. And it's something I've certainly thought very deeply about in the last in the last year. I'll tell you first where Dr. Squatch is, and then I'll go into how we're thinking about it now and how we're thinking about it in the future. So we're currently in the U.S. We're in on Amazon.com, on Target.com and on Walmart.com. And internationally, we're in Canada and some EU markets and Amazon.co.uk. We are slowly expanding into Amazon International. And that's, you know, we're doing that in line with our D2C expansion because we want to leverage the, the expansion, like exactly how I, how I broke it down with, with our US business. When we spend on ads, we see customers going to Amazon and we want to back that up with with efforts in other countries too. When we think about how we're expanding into other marketplaces aside from Amazon, I think the way that I think about it is Amazon is such a big such a big platform for us and it makes up such a big portion of our sales that I'd really have to be very mindful of how I balance my time and my team's time between sustaining the Amazon business and looking at new at new net new opportunities. And I'm very mindful that every moment that I spend away from growing the Amazon business is, you know, a, a huge, it's an opportunity cost. So mm-hmm. I, I try to spend right now, we're very focused on just growing Target and Walmart and supporting the Amazon business. But I think in the next year, I think we're going to have a shift towards testing out incremental new small platforms in a way that's low lift on my team, but has potential longer term upside. I think it's it's just going to be a hard nut to crack because the resource calculus becomes important when when I think about how to spend my time and and my team's time. So let's go a little bit deeper on Amazon, you know, because I think that there's clearly so many growth levers in that platform and it's such a big, you know, growth channel for Dr. Squatch. You know, talk to me about what some of those opportunities are. You know, I know, you know, you have thoughts on, you know, like third party, uh, being a third party seller. So, you know, talk to me about some of the opportunities there and some of the learnings about the platform. So I think the way that we think about Amazon and marketplaces more generally is, you know, because you have very limited control of how you sell on, on those on those platforms, especially, you know, as a third party seller, we we don't have you can wake up one morning and your account can be shut down. It's it's quite a ten it can be quite a tenuous situation to be in. So we think about it in terms of a defensive and an offensive strategy. And I think we first try to think defensively in terms of how do we make sure that our account stays healthy? How do we make sure we're defending against Amazon 
clamping down on us for price control versus Walmart, who who prices at a at a, at a lower price than us. You know, we we first try to make sure that we're ticking all of the boxes in terms of just keeping our product selling. And and then defending our space, making sure we're defending all of our branded terms and PPC ads, making sure we've got the right merchandising so that when customers look for our product, they can see them all listed in the search results. What does it mean when you're you know defending your terms? Like, what does that mean? Good question. So when a customer comes and searches for Dr. Squatch on Amazon, what what's really important to understand about Amazon is that they've aggressively expanded their ad inventory in the last year or two years. And the first four spots you see, as well as the block at the top, are is ad is ad placement. And anyone can take those spots, right? So if we're not bidding on those spots, another brand will be. And we want to make sure we're defending that space as well as other spaces like you can advertise on our own product listings. We want to make sure we're upselling customers there and other brands aren't selling their products to our customers. So we're very mindful of making sure that when a customer is looking for our product, they see our products and we don't have, we're not losing that customer to a competitor. That makes complete sense. So you could, uh, you know, talk more. I think you're going into pricing and merchandising as well. So I think pricing for us is something we're very mindful of on the platform. We, as I mentioned at the, at the top of the talk, we, one thing that I think bra- like folks are very scared of on Amazon is profitability because I think, you know, it's the fees on, on Amazon are, are significant. And and I think one, you know, one way we've got around it is through thoughtful price pack architecture, making sure that what we deliver to the customer is unique and it doesn't look like what's on other channels. And that allows us to price, a co- like price in those, the, the referral fees and the fulfillment fees and and still operate at a margin that that, that that's sustainable for us. But you also have to be thoughtful about doing that in a way that's actually going to drive traffic and conversions. And I think testing that is something that we do very often. We test our pricing very often to see what that the the inflection point is between conversion rates and, and just a complete fall off in that. So that's that's how we think about that. And then I think the opportunities that those are some of the, the defensive strategies we have and some of the opportunities that we that we lean into are advertising is a huge one for us on Amazon. You know, we because we're spending so much on on other brands, other brands search terms. So, you know, make sure we're showing up or, or bidding for comp- on competitors search terms so that we can capture some of their searches. We've tested out demand side platform DSP ads. I think it's just like for us, we're constantly testing and learning and seeing which strategies are going to work, whether it's promotions, whether it's coupons, we're very quick to test and quick to decide what's working, what's not working. What does, what explain a little bit more about what DSP means? DSP is Amazon's both on platform and off platform, there are ads that that come up across their ecosystem, and it's it's generally served as a it's used as a top of funnel tactic for brands. Whereas PPC ads, pay per click ads on Amazon are served on a pay per click basis. DSP ads are served as as with other performance marketing on a cost per mill basis, and these can be served in various places across the Amazon ecosystem as well as off Amazon on, you know, other, other, on new sites and, and stuff like that. And they drive to the, the 
the, the PDP on Amazon or the brand store. The thing that makes DSP ads interesting is that, as, as I said, it's a very top of funnel tactic. It lives in spaces that kind of bring awareness to your brand because it's it's not in the search results as, as PPC ads are. It's kind of around the search results. So it helps gain some awareness for your brand. But we've tested this out and we just there's some challenges around measuring incrementality with DSP. It's just very, very difficult to understand what did a view actually convert to a purchase and how did that customer move down the funnel? And and I think Amazon is making some some strides towards helping us measure that, but we're a little ways from from being able to do that in a way that makes it makes it easy for us to measure the true incrementality. So it's something we we've tested and I think we'll continue to test, but it's not something we're currently using now because we want to make sure that the money we're spending is especially on a on a bo- very bottom of funnel platform like Amazon, we want to make sure that that's converting into into sales. Makes complete sense. And so you you know mentioned how your, you know, paid branded ads will you will affect conversion version in a positive way on Amazon. Do you find that when you segment your customers that your D2C customer is similar to or different than the customer who's purchasing from you on Amazon? It's a good question. And I think I have to preface this with saying it's very difficult to, we have a lot of information about our D2C customers. We, you know, they're in our ecosystem. We know a lot about them. Our Amazon customers, we, we don't know who they are. So we have very high level information about them is, you know, just very high level what Amazon gives us. Having said that, we see some general overlap in terms of demographics and behaviors and economics with with customers. For example, a couple of interesting things is that like, you know, during the holidays, more women shop for our products on both platforms than Mm -hmm. that, you know, we have a shift towards female customers. We know that customers who purchase products that are multiple categories or, or have orders that are that have products in multiple categories tend to be higher lifetime value customers. And I think our strategy ends up looking rather similar across D2C and Amazon in that we try to create a merchandising experience for customers that channels them into being high lifetime value customers. Lifetime value is, is probably our at least in the marketing team, probably our North Star metric, I would say. And we cross-pollinate between D2C and Amazon to figure out what works to drive LTV and sustained growth and, and certainly payback on our ad spend. And so how do you think about what lifetime value looks like for Amazon and for retail where you have such like, you know, limited data or how, like, what can you do now as a business to try to you know, bridge that gap? On Amazon, we've been quite clever in measuring our LTV based on the limits of customer data that we, that we can get. So we we are able to measure our, our lifetime value pretty accurately. And that's thanks to some, you know, good, I, I would say like better than average work done by our data team to, to kind of crack that code. I know that calculus is still, is still eluded a lot of other Amazon sellers. We're at the stage where we're tr- starting to do predictive modeling of LTV for Amazon. And I think that's something that's exciting for us to be able to figure out like, what are the things that drive high LTV and how can we encourage that behavior from our customers so that we can just, again, like continue to, to, to drive a sustainable business and, and keep coming, keep coming back so that we can give our customers a good experience. On retail, it's, it is, as you, as you alluded to, it's a little more challenging. We've had to make a lot of assumptions about how long customers stay at a customer, how many items they purchase. We've built out some basic 
models around this, but I think we we use them more as directionally accurate than as true like comparison metrics between between the the three channels. And is there an LTV to CAC ratio that you're targeting, or you know, is there a CAC like any any numbers you could share? For, you know, what what the goal is would be super helpful. You know, I think everyone says that they target a three to one LTV to CAC ratio. But I think for us, what we actually look at is our payback ratio. And we we know that that changes over time and, and changes on a on a blended basis, depending on what tactics we're taking on Amazon and on D2C. We've seen some shifts over the last year, depending on like what's happening with customer acquisition costs. And one thing that has been, thing that I'll tell you on, on Amazon is that we've typically had very high paybacks on Amazon just because our acquisition costs are so much lower on that channel than on D2C. Last year, we decided to do a big ad surge test. We were spending at around 10% tacos and then decided to, we were at a very high level of efficiency and decided to double that. And we realized that, you know, all, all that was doing was really pushing our cost per clicks on the platform. And that just literally halved our payback overnight. So it, it was, it's, it's a good, lear- again, it's a good learning for us. It's something we're willing to test. But knowing where to push and when to stop pushing because you've got the learnings and then pull back ad spend is something that's that's been critical for us. Makes complete sense. So, you know, always testing and always kind of monitoring those key you know, North Star metrics. Jamie, we talked, you know, a little bit before we started recording about how you feel, you know, passionately about selling on marketplaces. You know, could you just share why that's the case? Yeah, so I think, you know, I've kind of sat on all three sides of the table. I'm, I've been a marketplace customer. I've been an Amazon customer since I was a little kid. I've been, I've, I've worked at marketplaces and now I've, I manage marketplaces as a brand. And I think I, one thing that I, that I'm really passionate about when I speak to brands is marketplaces are, you really need to be leaning into marketplaces like Amazon, like Walmart, like Target to, to capture demand there. Because if you think about it as a customer, customers want to shop there. They're going there. To, they're, they're using it as a search engine. So I think one thing I always rattle into people's minds is you have to be there. You have to be available and lean into it. Makes complete sense. Okay. Moving into our lightning round. What is your favorite omni-channel brand? I'm loving Dude Wipes. I think that they have such a, a fun, fun branding. I completely agree there. What's the number one thing you wish you could change about our industry? I think fear about rising customer acquisition costs. I think, you know, I wish that it it actually presents an opportunity for smart brands to double down on on what's working and and outshine brands who aren't. And and also like a good opportunity to just build your brand organically. Favorite podcast? Huberman Lab. Favorite newsletter? 2PM e-commerce. I love that one too. It's they, great. It's truly great. I love their market maps. I love their lists. I think that they do a fantastic job. Favorite social media channel? Does the Substack count? I don't know if it counts, but I I am on Substack a lot. Sure does. Favorite book? Top one. I The book I always come back to is the Tibetan book of living and dying. I just find it so grounding. I'll have to read that one. And then um, event that you're planning on going to this year that you're excited about? I guess you could be going virtually um, too. Yeah, we have an e-commerce event here in South Africa that I haven't attended in a couple of years. And it's it's coming up next month. And I'm really looking forward to it to kind of meet some other industry professionals. Yeah, there's nothing better than, you know, meeting some people IRL after, after so long, you know, just being virtual. Exactly. Where can 
Where can people connect with you, Jamie? Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Pretty easy to find me there. Just search for me. And Jamie has amazing content on LinkedIn that I, you know, know and re- and love, which is actually how that we, you know, came to be connected here to to have Jamie on the podcast. So, Jamie, thank you so much. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much, Kate. Really enjoyed this too. Bye. If you liked this podcast, follow me and the Bridge page on LinkedIn and Twitter for hot takes and tactical advice. If you really loved today's episode, we'd love a review on the podcasting platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks for listening.